Everybody, welcome to the Grace Garage Pod with co-host Jason Pridmore, presented by Bike911.com. You know the deal. You need some help. Get a hold of our boy Alex Asante at Bike911.com. He's there for legal advice, help you with contracts, all that kind of stuff. Okay, MotoGP happened. Jason Pridmore, good to see you again. Good to hear from you again. <laughs> How was your week? Did you um, go to Chucky or something? Yeah, Chuck Wall was there. Uh, yeah, G-Dub was there again. Working on Wednesday, Thursday, a little bit Friday, and then uh, Saturday, Sunday race weekend. So it was, uh, it was a good weekend out there. Track was fast. People were... Um, People were going good. Your boys Simon and uh, John Moshe are both in the 54s now at Chuckwalla. Did you ever think that would happen? Mm. I'm not going to comment. I mean, sure, sure. Listen to be to be their friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, I knew <laughs> they would nice. do it. I knew they would get there someday. Yeah, yeah. I'm, no, I'm happy for them, dude. That's great. I mean, that's three seconds faster than I went two years ago out there. So. Got to, got to get out there and reassert my dominance. Got to get on it. On a fire hydrant. Got to get on it. Corey won the Especially shootout. Because you're saying Jeff White's out there doing 47s or something. Yeah, right. right. If I, maybe, maybe after next uh, next Saturday he might be. So who knows? Yeah. He, oh, I get it because he's gonna. Yeah, you get coaching. You know what yeah, I mean? Okay. Get that? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. 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 So Corey yeah. won the shootout. I guess you finished second. Did you look at any results? In the shootout? Yeah. I did not get to see any of the results. Well, it was a pretty crazy race for second, but Ben Smith was out there riding an R1. Really? Yeah. Ben Smith ended up second, and Anthony Norton just, I mean, I mean, Greg, it was like two thousandths of a second. They came across the line bumping elbows. So Anthony Norton ends up third, and uh, they had a red flag in the middle of that, unfortunately, and so it was like Corey, Anthony, and then and then Ben, and then they had to restart and so yeah, those positions got swapped. So yeah, that was uh and then David Kolstadt has been out there riding a lot. He won again in the in the middleweight shootout and um over Nick Siling. So Nick's riding really good too. These guys are in the forty sevens on six hundreds. That's pretty fast. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. fast. I, I mean I'd love to go try the new surface at some point. It's just something about that track with a new surface. It's just the weather. Take us back we, to when the it weather. Was open. Yeah, yeah, right. And the weather this weekend was just perfect out there. So, yeah, this is that time of year for sure. Yeah. So, well, look, folks, on on this podcast, we're getting ready to talk about MotoGP because the season kicked off to some drama. <laughs> MotoGP fantasy Supercross uh, happened in Supercross fantasy as well. If you want to support the channel, uh, you can. Visit us at patreon.com slash Greg's Garage TV. We certainly appreciate that. So with it, Jay, let's just uh, let's bounce right into it. Let's get to news presented by Arai. Let's do it. All right. Hey, did you know that every Arai helmet is meticulously handmade by craftsmen and women who are actively participating in the Arai mission to present the highest level of protection and quality? From the shell to the paint to the liner, eh, the work is performed by hand, by experience. Focused specialist. Just one more reason to check out AraiAmericas.com. Visit your local Arai dealer for proper fit and kick-ass paint jobs. All right, Jay. Well, because I think, you know, there's some news items here, but I only really picked out one because we've got so much to talk about yeah. this week. Yeah. But I was happy to read that Steve Scheibe is back in the Moto America Medallia Superbike paddock with rider Ashton Yates on the aftercare-sponsored BMW you and I, it's funny because were we not just talking about this at Daytona? Like we saw Shibe out there yeah. and, you know, he's wearing his uh, Indian because he's a consultant for Indian and the baggers. And you were asking and, and we were hoping for it. So there's your answer, man. So so good news for him. Not sure the equipment. My guess is the same equipment. But Ashton Yates started to make some steps late in the season last year. He rode really, he rode really well last year. Like Ashton rode amazing. So, I mean... Yeah, he's. It's great to know that they're back. It's great to know that the team's coming in, and you know, I'm sure Aaron will be there. I'm sure, Lucky will be there. You know, with oh, Ashton, yeah. so that'll all be great. I, I mean, but Greg, the bike. What were they? What is it? The 2017 or 18? They were been. They've been running. It's a six. It's a 16 17 um, hybrid, I believe, is what it is, or a 15 16 back in the day. It's hard to say with Steve because you know he gets motors here, there, and all that kind of stuff. So but, have they updated? Have they? I mean, we don't know that. I, I did you read anything yeah, about I that? 
Nope. I didn't I either. Didn't. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, so we'll see. Obviously, the bike's still very capable, but he continues to develop it. I know that that was something that I read there that they're, I think, what do you say, nine years? Ninth year of racing BMWs for Shibe. Gosh. Pretty Just incredible. Doesn't seem that long, but yeah. And, and if and if there's a way that, uh, look, Ashton can ride a motorcycle. The kid is capable and he's going to just keep maturing and getting better, but it would sure be nice if we could get him on something, you know, a little newer. So it, it you know, I'm sure if he's well, decided to do this, it's for a good reason. I mean, it should be good, hopefully. So, yeah. Well, Julia McCarthy, who's the president of, of Aftercare, it's aftercarecorp.com, was pretty excited about it. And maybe as that develops and more value is built, more money to the team and, you know, Shabby would be able to afford something that's a little bit more updated and modern, but obviously, you know, Ashton's still able to compete close to podium positions and fifth. I mean, the field obviously is getting pretty deep this year Yeah, for Superbike, and equipment wise, it's getting very deep. So we'll see how difficult it is to race for that fifth spot and, and what he does, but Ashton's definitely a capable motorcycle rider to do it. Yeah, no, he is. And the M4 boys were out there testing also. So Tony and Tony Elias and Richie Escalante were out there testing at Chuck Wallace. So they seem pretty happy as well. So there could be there could be that that um like you say, Greg, that we want to see it get deeper. We want to see guys more competitive, but ultimately we want to see people get closer to those lead lead riders. So let's hope that, that happens. Some sad news. I mean, you know, we're not an obit. Uh, type of podcast, but yeah, uh, you saw that Eric Gray passed away. Man, just yeah, I did. Just you know, I mean, just a mainstay of our paddock guy that's been around, uh, worked with a lot of different writers. Um, I had the, I actually had a great conversation with him on the wall at Daytona, you know, just a couple weeks ago. So it just shows you how fragile things are, and um, even the way they found him, and and um. Uh, yeah, it's just it's it's tough for us though, Jay, isn't it? Uh, because we're we're in the past, so close to an age. We're close, but we're also close in age to him. I mean, he was only like he was sixty years older than us. Wasn't he sixty? I think he was sixty years old. But yeah, um, you know, it just makes it harder. Is it's just it, it doesn't matter who it it can be somebody like. And I actually knew Eric, but even if I didn't know him that well, um, when I say I know him well, I know him just from conversations and. I, I got to do a little bit of uh, hanging out with him about five, six years ago, multiple times. And I think the hardest thing is, it's just, it's somebody in our paddock. It's like, it's no matter what, the, the paddock that we're in is a family. Everybody looks out for each other. Everybody kind of knows each other. And, and when something like this happens, it's just, it's, it's a bit of a shock to all of us, you know? So um, it's going to be interesting how the, how the team moves on and things, but you know, um, you know, really sad for his family and his friends and, and people around. Yeah. So, but he did love racing and we had it. racing over the weekend, didn't we? We had some racing and, uh, he would have loved it. So MotoGP, Greg opens up at, uh, this last weekend and a lot of controversy surrounding a lot of things. Um, mostly the Super Bowl race and, you know, I, I don't know if that's what we're calling it. Is that what they're calling it? No, sprint it's called race. a sprint, sprint race. race. Right. I'm going to start. I'm going to keep calling it the Super Bowl race all year because of World Superbike. Right. But the sprint race. And, you know, I think a lot of people coming into this were some were into it. Some weren't into it. Um, it proved to me uh, it was a 12 laps of pretty wild entertainment, I guess. Um, Bag- <laughs> Bagnaya ends up winning over Jorge Martin and I mean, Mark Marquez who would go on to be even more controversial for the wrong reasons, I think, in the next one that we talk about. But, I mean, look, the thing is, is Marquez, when he in Q2 was his normal insane self and puts the Honda on pole position, didn't he? And then Jack Miller, super impressive. Um, He was on that front row as well. But Jack ended up fourth in the sprint race over Vinales fifth. uh, Alicia Spargo was sixth. Oliveira, Zarco, Alex Marquez, ninth, Cuadraro, disappointing, 10th, six seconds back. Raul mm. Fernandez, Bender, Renz, Morbidelli, and Nakagami were your top 15 as far as points, guys. Um, G-Dub in the race, I think there's a few things that you and I can discuss as far as um, people that didn't finish. First off, we lost Paul Espargaro, didn't we, before the race even started? I mean, did you see that one? 
I did. Yeah, it's just did it remind you of anything? Yeah. Um, did it remind me of anything? Um, did it remind me of anything? Uh, no, I can't say it did. You know, you saw how it kind of like broke loose and then kind of redirected him. Yeah, snapped it. It really snapped him, didn't it? <clears throat> yeah, that's that's similar to what happened with Scott Briotti at uh, at Brainerd last year. Yeah, going into uh, you know, and again, um, when you when you look at the accident and how he got flung up over, the worst part is the bike chased him in, and then then he hit a barrier, and you know, for again, for all the stick that our series takes, I haven't. I, I know the riders came out and complained and bitched and but you know we're talking the safest supposed to be the safest best series in the world and guys are hitting barriers and pretty crazy and again it's going to be one of those spots where you go there's no way anybody can get to this barrier i've actually stood on the outside of that corner and it is such a long way away from the track but it goes to show you the speed these guys are going and if something just goes wrong you just can never predict it you could never predict it. You could never predict it, Greg. But on social media today, he posted a thumbs up photo. Oh, good. You know, in the hospital bed and stuff. So it's like he's expected to make a full recovery. I heard it was concussion, jaw, uh, jaw, uh, back. He wow. Cracked, he cracked vertebrae in his back. So it could have been a lot worse. And and we pumped that he'll be back. But he was he was the first. He was kind of the first uh, of the weekend, wasn't he? To go out. Yeah, he was the first one and and it was you know, the the thing was, GW, the thing that scared me the most was how long it was red flagged. I was like, oh man, like just want to know that he's moving and that he's okay. And it kind of brought me back to the BN world because they kept showing it. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah. not just the accent, but they kept on showing the ambulance there. And you know, it's it's never a good thing. And and it's when you have an accident and you don't know exactly how a rider is, it's like you just want to get off the shot and do something yeah, else. Yeah, it's a euro it's a euro thing. It like is. in the states it's very standard like if you don't know the condition of the rider, you just you just don't show it. Correct. Don't show it. Yeah. But yeah, that's what we had in the BN days with the European directors because they didn't really understand that that's the way we do it in the states, but I mean it's like that across the board, right? For cars, yeah. it doesn't matter if it's equestrian, like nope. it's just like standard deal is you just don't show it till we know because you don't want to because you just don't know. To, Man, even in this day and age, I mean, you know, even with all the the crap that people feed themselves on, you know, YouTube and TikTok and all the other platforms, you still you still don't want to show it. But yeah, I mean, well, the main thing is Paul's going to be good. That's the main thing. It's a shame yes. that he that it has to happen just like that at the beginning of the year when all these riders are so pumped to get going. A couple of big non finishers in this race: um, Luca Marini and Anea Bastianini. So mm. you know that was an uh, an incident where. Marini goes up underneath Bastianini, touches him. Man, did Bastianini get thrown to the ground. I don't know if you watched that replay very many oh, times, but he gets absolutely body slammed. Um, Bastianini did. And what looked like, you know, at the beginning, kind of a pedestrian inside pass. Um, and Marini ends up just getting into the, just touched him at the right point, right time. And, and it was violent. One of your title favorites right off the bat out of the race. Be fair, Bastianini hadn't really set the world on fire on the course uh, on the weekend as it had started. And then, of course, Marini ends up crashing on his own a little bit later. Bedzeki also out of this race. Uh, he ends up crashing. So it was a really brutal day for the Mooney team. I'll just let you guess who had those three riders in fantasy. Um, <laughs> oh. Yeah, we'll get there in a little while. But I think when you yeah. look back at it, G-Dub, some impressive rides were put in. Bagnaya, obviously, was just the class of the field on the weekend. He ends up winning this race again, like over Jorge Martin and Marquez. Um, can we talk about Jack Miller for a minute? Sure. Like, Let's talk about Jack, and then I'm really curious to get your take, your overall take on yeah. the sprint race itself and you know what you think about. You can't judge it all for one race, but Correct. so far, so good. Well, there's some things but that Jack you and I are definitely going to talk about with that. Yeah, yeah. But Jack Miller was impressive. I mean, first of all, he he broke the track record uh, in Friday afternoon, one of those right? Friday afternoon. Yeah, I, I watched that lap two or three times. The guy looked completely in control of the motorcycle. He comes off the track. He says, "That's about all I have." And then, 
like the next session or something, like four <laughs> people broke that track record and by a lot. I mean, they shattered the track record by what, almost a second and a half or something. Well, yeah, but you know what's impressive, Greg, is he does that 37-7, I think it was, in Friday afternoon yeah. free practice too. And then, so he goes right to qualifying too, right? And on yeah. his first flying lap, goes out and goes 37-5, you know? And so know. yeah, you just go, wow, that's impressive. And it... Almost, I've never thought this way before, really. Almost made me feel like KTM was sandbagging the last like couple months. They haven't really been close. They haven't shown anything. They've really shown nothing to make you think that that they are going to be front runners. Everybody thought KTM was in a lot of trouble. Next thing you know, Miller does what he does. And I mean, what a boost for him to only be 1.6 back. And in fairness, that podium could have easily been his. Um, Vinales and Miller kind of got into it a little bit going into turn one and Mark Marquez was able to sneak through and get past the speed of the Aprilia impressed me this weekend as well as the KTM. I thought both bikes, both bikes were pretty fast. Um, you know, were they drafting past Ducatis? No, but they were able to hang in the draft of the Ducatis a little bit and they were showing some real speed. So, um, I think when you look at the sprint race overall, Greg. Um, well, I don't really know what to think. I loved it. I thought it was great. It seems to me that right now you've seen all these riders coming out and I thought this would be something that we'd maybe talk about after we talk about the race one uh, or the, the, the Grand Prix itself. But there's a lot of guys going, you know, we're one race weekend in and we've got four riders basically on the shelf already. And to me, I think it comes down to we're, we're racing motorcycles. This is a dangerous sport. I think everybody's got to take a little bit of a chill pill. Like, I don't think it's necessarily one of those things where it's a, yeah, it's a sprint race, but that doesn't mean that you just go crazy and, and you do careless things. And, but it seems like these guys are running into each other a lot. We saw Mir get up underneath Quattararo and crash. Um, he gets, what did he get? A double long lap penalty or a long lap penalty for the next day. I mean, it's not going to be long before every one of these guys have a long lap penalty in the race in every race, you know, I wonder if think about how long it's been for these riders to have raced a 10 lap race. You don't see a lot of red flags in MotoGP. No. So you don't see a lot of restarts with short, you know, sprint race type, you know, formats. And these guys are the top level have been racing in MotoGP for a long time. I mean, I don't even think we have a superbike rider. It was like the first time in history that, Every single person who started a race has won a, a race at the Grand Prix level. Not, not MotoGP class. Moto two, Moto three, whatever. Moto yeah. two, Moto three. Every single rider wow, had, had won a race. Is that right? That's a great stat. I didn't even. I didn't mm -hmm. know that one. Right. So you're talking about a very talented field of people, but and, and I think part of it, Jay, is the media hyped a lot of like how they think these sprint races are going to go. Right. Like. You know, and I think it, it kind of built up to a tension where it was like hectic and frantic. And we think this guy's going to do really well because he goes good on the start of the races. Then he fades after 10 laps. Right. And this guy and it would just seem so frantic, frantic or hectic, you know, and I agree. I'm laughing because I'm going like I literally said to myself, there are people at we're expert class that are better prepared to do 10 laps than these riders in MotoGP. They look so, so like out of sorts there for the first couple laps. And I think with experience and obviously guys like Alicia Spargo coming out, the elder <laughs> statesman now in the class, yeah. basically saying what you said, hey, everybody calm down. Chill. You're like, what are you doing? Chill Is that what he said? Bit. I saw him say something about, actually, I haven't seen anything. I was looking for the interview, but I was just going to say, it's crazy that you even mentioned that. I'm like, this plays into the hands of an Alicia Spargo because he's actually a real smart guy. Like he is the guy that really wants to be, he's going to be smart about how he plots along, gets his points. You know, Greg, he, he really kind of um, fleeced himself because he said, you know, him crashing in Q2 really hurt him for qualifying. And so that's what put him on the back foot all weekend long. He had to be encouraged by what he saw both Oliveira and Vinales do up at the front. But Alesh is the kind of guy that will take risks, but, I think he's at a state also stage in his career also where he'll take risks, but not risk too much. We've seen a lot of mistakes from a lot of people. Bagnaya this weekend was able to just keep himself at the front the whole time. And 
he was in the safest place, you know, uh, for the most part. And Alesh was not in a good spot because he had to go through people. So he saw a lot of bad things going on. Um, but yeah, Greg, I think these guys got to take a little bit of a chill pill. Like it's still racing bikes and you got all these journalists and people that are like, oh, this is, this is how it's going to be now. And we're going to lose half the field. And yeah, but it's on the riders. The riders have to accept some responsibility, I think. So while you want to get up front, while you want to win, you've got to be smart about it too. Um, so yeah, we'll see how all that plays out. Greg, in the Grand Prix itself, again, an unreal run. Bagnaya ends up winning. He was pushed the entire time by Maverick Vinales. And I thought, man, Vinales looked amazing. I just want to see Vinales put three or four races together. Like, let's see him go to Argentina and be up there. Let's see him go mm-hmm. to Coda and be there. I need to see him put half a season because he he tends to be good if you go back to the Yamaha the first four races of the year. Yeah. It's like, and then he goes like one race. And You're it's right. Like, and he goes just he goes back the back, you know. So Vinales ends up second over Bedzeki, who rode really well himself. He ends up two point seven back of the leaders, uh, and then this gigantic battle for fourth. And what a battle it was! And Zarco, Greg, who so we watched the race. There was about I don't know how many of us in Simon's garage on Sunday morning watching the race, and um, and watching Zarco pick through everybody and end up fourth. Um, passing Bender and Alex Marquez on the last lap and Jack Miller the lap before. Zarco ends up fourth over Marquez fifth, a great ride from him. Bender and Jack Miller sixth and seventh. So all these four bikes, five riders, because you had Quadraro who was coming up really quickly behind these guys. He ends up, uh, all of these guys were within half a second. And then Aleish was only 1.2 behind Zarco himself in ninth. So when you look at it, um, Zarco Marquez Binder, Miller Quateraro, Aleish, and Rins top 10. Juan Mir ends up 11th, and Nakagami, Fernandez, Morbidelli, Greg, was your final finisher in 14th. So we didn't really even have a 15th place finisher. But why don't you tell us about what everybody's talking about in this race? Torpedo. Yeah. The torpedo, Mark Marquez. Uh, he goes in there. What, Jay, what was it? Second or third lap? Second or I third. I think it was the third, third lap. So they'd gone through third, on the start, third. had two laps. Going through. into yeah. a right-hand corner. Everything's bunched up tight. He's in fourth place. Kind of makes a pass up the inside. Well, he attempted really, he attempted, <laughs> but it looked weird. It was like, he didn't was, get it slowed down and almost like gave up on the braking. It wasn't or, even or, close. Like he'd already done it. Close, he'd already so. done it on the start where he'd gotten in there too quick and just managed to be third and, and, it, and was able to let off race, the, he, let, he, let off the lever. Yeah. Yeah. And in the sprint race, he made some unbelievable passes up the inside, right? To take position and stuff, like some real fast we had one that one corner he just had it dialed in. But in this particular case, he just absolutely positively smashed right into hometown favorite Miguel Oliveira, who was kind of tipped to possibly win the race. At least be and a podium a contender, right? A po- yeah, and obviously the Aprilia was perfectly capable of it. Maverick showed that. And, I mean, dude, he just clobbered into his, like, it looked to me like it was his hip area. Correct, yeah. Luckily, you know, like, that was the case. But you just have to think to yourself. And, look, Mark did all the right things, right? He ran over to Miguel immediately. He gets back to the pits. He goes over to the, the r uh, team, right? Like, he he gives the little prayer sign to the fans. He took responsibility for it, all that kind of stuff. But at this point, you've got to say to yourself, dude, you want to talk about taking a chill pill? I understand, and I'm not I'm not the one who's out there race, you know, racing and and trying to win for Honda and win for himself and the desire and everything else. But the problem is, is Honda needs to help Marquez because he's not going to slow down. He's not going to not win, like go for the win, and his bike's just not capable. And I think he's doing things that are relatively, it just felt really desperate, you know, to stay there, if that made any sense. Mm, well, but, I mean, look, I mean, I don't know. Part of me is like, who am I to judge? You know, on the other hand, you know, because it is a split second decision, but I'm really interested to get your take on it because it's it, all over the place. I'm just like, the hell, man. Like, my initial reaction is, the hell are you doing? Well, yeah, when I saw it, it, I was like, unless he had something fully go wrong 
failure-wise with the brakes. I mean, the franticness and the carelessness of the two things that I think blew me away by it. Now, people will sit there, G-Dub, and talk about how incredible Marquez is and how the bike is, you know, he's riding it over the limit. So when you look back at his qualifying run, when in Q2 he goes out, gets a toe, puts it on pole, you can you can override a motorcycle. I got no problem with you overriding a motorcycle or thinking about it. That's been going on since the test of time. Someone's already had always had an advantage or a disadvantage depending on machinery, okay? That's been going on forever. When you're chasing somebody and you're sort of got a second gap in between them or a buffer, that's why he tries to get toes on these guys, okay? So he can try to run the lap time he runs. You can't ride like that when you got a group of three or four people directly in front of you. You can't be that frantic and that out of control. The mistake that he made here, G-Dub, is so bad and not even close. And I love the fact that he came out and apologized. I love the fact that he took ownership of it. I think all that is great. Now, the Honda, you said something just now that absolutely, <laughs> I almost I almost dropped an F-bomb, but it, 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 <laughs> it Fs me off so much, dude, that the fact that there were some people who I really respect blaming Honda. Honda has to take part of the blame for this. No, they don't. They don't. Why is, why is Honda? Was Honda taking the blame when the guy was winning all the world championships that he was winning? You know what people were saying when he was winning all the world championships on the Honda? That he, that he could win on the KTM and that he could win on other bikes. Yeah. That's what they were saying. Those bikes were inferior to the Honda then. Okay, Now, Honda's got a bad run going. But if you look at the results of this race, there are some encouraging things. One of which is the fact that Rins was only 11 and a half seconds back. Now, I know that seems like a mile, but Rins was literally three seconds out of fourth place. Okay. And plotting along, not over, like riding the bike to its best of its abilities. Mark Marquez, in this case, had finished third the day before. And to do this on the third lap of a race and plow somebody as hard as he did is for the amount of experience level that he's had, it's insane. It's crazy to me. But the fact that somebody or or guys that I respect are going, well, Honda has to take part of the blame for this because they haven't given him a, a, a good enough bike. <laughs> Come on, man. That is a horrendous thing to say. Honda's doing by the what way, they can. By the way, that sounds like a guy we we used to know. I guess we still know him. Where he bends it over into turn one at Daytona in the 90s, hits the engine case on the ground, and then blames Suzuki for a faulty engine design on a street bike. The, you remember the, who I'm talking about? Yeah, you know, and it is, it is like And Mark, that, did, but, Mark didn't blame Honda, but what I'm saying is, it's like, my point is, is that when I heard that, when I heard that dude say that, I was like, wait a second, you're in the same boat as everybody else who races that bike. You've got to work within the parameters of what you're given, and if you're given something you can't win on, don't put somebody else in danger because your focus and your only thing in life is win, 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 win. That's that's kind of my point. Well, but so it's it, it, it you get what you get when you start the race, and I don't care if you have a bad tire choice, right, Jay? If if, if you have a bad tire choice, or if maybe the Olean's technician put a couple extra clicks in that they didn't like, it is what it is. But you can't really start pointing the blame. The blame is on the rider, man. 100%. He's the one at the control. He's the one who decided to break. He's the one who decided to go up the inside. Says, you know that unless I, it's something that that they won't tell us about. Unless literally he had a brake failure. He didn't have a brake failure because he had done right. it. He had done it the lap or two before that, where he got in there the same exact way and locked the front up. And it's like he is just he was riding so frantic, and it's like, man, come on, like, like. And he'd already he'd already roughed people up before then. The first couple laps, people had roughed him up back because of the position he was putting himself in on the racetrack. The one thing I will say about looking at those first couple laps before he torpedoed into Oliveira yeah. was this this group of riders doesn't yeah. care he's Mark Marquez anymore. Nobody cares. Nobody and cares. And by the he way, has lost all of his gravitas, all of his ooh, horsepower. Nice pull on the word there, G-Dub. That's pretty... Gravitas. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, Thanks. Well, is Fabio Quattararo on the best bike right now? Negative. And he's not plowing. He's not just plowing into guys because, and and guys know that the, that the Yamaha isn't good at all. In fact, 
it's probably it it might be worse than the Honda at the moment at some places, you know? Um, well, it's certainly worse than a Honda on the start. So, well, you could see how good he was late race. in the race. He was really good. Yeah, late, late. in the race. Yeah. yeah. It, but but the thing is, like, I guess there was something wrong with that launch control. Like they were saying, like, he once so he got back. to second gear, something happened where it like cut power off and 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 things. So, you know, there there's some other issues that they have to deal with. You know, one race does not define Honda like or Yamaha. I mean, you know, the the motor's a little bit stronger. The bike still turns really well. There were there were showing some passes that Quattararo was making, and I and I was watching it um, in Louisville at the convention center during it was like Sunday morning, so yeah. the archery tournament for me was over. But I was watching it with my buddy Dan Yaza, and we both said the same thing. Quattararo had made some it was like an overhead move pass up the inside, just smoked everybody, and we're like, well, Yamaha still turns. It's like, yeah, Yamaha's still good. Yeah, you know, in terms of that of that bit, and they gave it a little bit more motor. I think that they had deeper problems going on over there, and I don't think that it's the story of the year. I think Quadrado is still going to be able to, and and Yamaha is still going to be able to get that bike in a position where it could possibly win races. The problem that you have is even when you go to Argentina this next week after turn four there, three mm-hmm. four, there's a gigantic long straightaway. The the thing is is that the guy is at such a disadvantage because the second that he gets to that back straightaway, he's going to get passed by two, three, four Ducatis, and the KTM looks is probably quicker. And I, I you know, it's going to be a hard one for Quattararo. But I don't see him doing what Mark did this weekend, which, you know, to me is just unexplainable. Looking at the yeah. Yamaha two G Dev, I mean, this it, look Morbidelli ended up six seconds behind Augusto Fernandez, a rookie in the class on the gas gas bike. He ended up six seconds behind him. Morbidelli was the last point scorer. He put out a, a tweet that he's or a post on his Instagram, you know, that he's just happy to get out of there. He's pumped to get a couple points in the bank. And I'm like, a couple points in the bank? You were the only guy running around. And he was some almost 20 seconds behind Quadraro. 20 seconds. So, yeah. I mean, he was last on the track and he was six seconds, uh, 5.3 behind Augusto. Unreal. The KTM rookie in the class. Yeah. The KTMs looked great. Uh, it looked like they suffered with a little bit of depending on tire choices and stuff. Um, yeah. Like long distance grip. Yeah. And that could be a, that definitely could be a factor. Yep. But Bender and Miller finished right on top of each other. So you got to figure that's the limit of that bike. And I think that they're both, I think they're both like, I mean, obviously we both know they're great guys. I think they get along that, that program could really push forward. I would like to see it push forward anyways. So, you know, you look at it and you think, well, those guys could, could be, Moving, moving on. The bike looked fast, and we know Bender's See, a here, Sunday here, guy. So here's the thing, Jay. Don't you think that when when everyone knew that Miller was not going to be on the factory bike, why would you not? Because the guy's winning races. Why would you not, as a satellite team, turn around and then talk to Jack Miller? Right? Like I, I, I don't remember hearing about it, but I am sure that there were other Ducatis on that grid that were interested in having him on their bike. But he turned everybody down and went to KTM factory. And I think that they were telling him. They probably laid out the plans as to what's going on. And that's why, you know how you said like you thought they were maybe sandbagging just a little bit, you know, in the in the in the testing. I know that you're trying to get the max out of your bike. So I'm not sure how much that would that would actually play into it because you don't want to be surprised by speed and and uncover deficits in your setup. But I think that KTM's got more, more coming. You know, uh, would be my I, guess. I, I gotta think so. And didn't he take a couple of his guys from Ducati over to KTM? I believe. Yeah, I think so. And yeah, you know that's going to be a big thing. I, look, KTM really looked like they were nowhere until all of a sudden Friday afternoon. Miller just throws down that thirty-seven-seven. It was like wow, and it, it, un, unreal. So you know the KTM's could be for real. And Bender's another guy that we don't see him making a lot of mistakes. Like he's another guy that could be there now. When you look at the first few guys in this race, and now you start thinking about the longevity game of what the season is, because it's a long one, man. There is a 42 races these guys are going to do, and they're through two of them. Um, Bagnaya, we've seen, is a little bit prone to some mistakes. Hopefully, that's gone, because this could really go one of either way. It could be a year where Bagnaya just kind of dominates, or it could be a year where he makes mistakes and keeps people in it. Vinales is hot and cold. Bedzeki, I think, will be really well. Zarko, talk about our boy. Let's Zarko, talk about my boy. Zarko shocked us. So 
Darko shocked us, but yeah. who who shocked you most in the top ten? Alex Marquez. I mean, Dude, I, but I wouldn't say that he shocked us. If Fantasy you remember, pick. but if you remember when at the beginning of this whole thing, when he got signed, I said this could be an unreal year for him, and his bike is fast. He's able to take advantage of it. He's able to run at the front. That kid has got to be so pumped moving forward of being able to finish a legit fifth. Literally got passed with two corners to go. Zarco just kind of zapped him. But he really did have fourth place directly like there. And we know we had a little bit of attrition with with obviously uh, Martin and Oliveira and Marquez ahead of him, Mar- his brother. But Alex, I think, will be – I think Alex is going to be really good. I think he'll just continue to get better. And on the other end, his teammate, DeGi Antonio, is nowhere to be seen. <laughs> right? Mark my words, Alex Marquez will win a race this year. Wow, that's big. In in the rain. In the rain? Yep. Yeah. He'll win, he'll win a rain race. You think so, huh? Well, I do, because obviously we have, you know, double the chances of having rain races now. But yeah, I do I do think that, uh, I think if you go back to his Moto2 days, he was actually pretty spectacular in the rain on a Moto2 bike. Yeah. And I think that he gets, and, and if you remember back to his Repsol days, I think his only podium would yeah. have been in the rain. Right. Is that right? Yep. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, Maybe he had two podiums on the Repsol bike. I know one of them was in the rain for sure. So, yeah. That's it, right. It'll but be I'm saying, like, I, I think, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see if that's the case. I mean, you know, it could be late in the season. It could be like a point where Pecco's got, you know, a huge lead in the championship, doesn't need to push it in the rain. I, I mean, you know, any, any factors, but something kind of gives me the feeling that Alex. Like he's a guy that I want to just kind of keep an eye on, and when I look yeah. at my fantasy, you know, yeah, and, for and sure. to see how he's going to progress and leave him on my team. Yeah, I made some fantasy mistakes, but we'll talk about that still in a second. But, yeah, Moto. Uh, I, I think that did, did he's you, worth. Ta- he's definitely worth talking. about. I agree. I agree, and and you know, I think some some really good. Like, I I I know I know you think that you know he. I mean, that he's my man crush and all that. But I thought Renz <laughs> on the weekend stayed pretty quiet, and he. The end of the race, GW was only eleven seconds back. I thought that was pretty encouraging. Juan Mir had to do a long lap penalty, so he ended up about five, six seconds behind. I mean, it definitely looked and and look, we know how hard Marquez was riding at the front to keep up with those guys, and it's impossible to say where we thought he would have finished. I think he probably would have been in that battle for that four, five, six, seven, eight, that big group. By the end of it, I think that that's probably where he would have been. And they were eight seconds back, and Rins was only three seconds back of them. So it'll be interesting to see the information and the data that Honda is able to pull to to continue. Now, the other thing that's really interesting about the whole Mark Marquez situation is that in Dorna's post race penalty process with him giving him a dump, uh, a long lap, a double long lap penalty, they specifically played out that it would be at the Argentine round at Termo Rio Hondo or whatever it's called, that he will have a long lap, double long lap penalty. And then now we know he's not actually going to ride. So everybody's up in arms about, well, is he going to get this penalty if he goes on to Coda? Because we know who has actually owned Coda for pretty much his entire career, and that's Mark Marquez. It's like there in the Saxon ring, the guy's been pretty much unbeatable, hasn't he? So the thing is now is... Dorna kind of put themselves in a bad spot because of the wording of their their statement that we are going to penalize. But you got to think at that point when they wrote that, they didn't know he was that hurt where he was going to have to go get surgery, get his thumb fixed, and all that kind of stuff. So, Cheetah, what 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 do you think? I mean, what what's going on with this thing? I mean, what logically, you, you just have to think. You just he's got to he's got to he has to serve the penalty in his next race. That's what they should have said. Yeah. You know, and then, but how does he serve it, Jay? Sprint race? Or does he serve it in the long oh race? God. I didn't read that part. I didn't read because it either. I forgot all about it. In my yeah. opinion, if you have an infraction in a sprint race, yeah. does it penalize you in the long race? Or do you get penalized for the next sprint race because of the impact of the penalty? So if if he does it in the long race and he has to serve the penalty in the sprint race, the points difference is is you know, much different or You're the right. impact of the points are much different. So that's what I was thinking about. I think he's like, got to do it in the, in the Grand Prix itself. I th- that's what I think. 
if, it, if it was to happen. I'm trying to think where the... Um, or you got to do it in both. You want to talk about like trying to control... I the sh- whole idea behind these penalty thing... I know, dude. This this You want to talk about opening Pandora's box. This whole penalty thing is supposed to be to try to curb rider behavior. It is proven over and over again it doesn't work. Just look at Moto3. Okay, it doesn't work. Giving somebody a long lap penalty, people have won from the long lap penalty. It doesn't work. So it's now lost. It's it's like speeding tickets. They don't work. Okay, speeding tickets aren't designed to curb, you know, or to control people's behavior. It's just a revenue generator for your local community, you know, or the state or whatever. In my opinion. So the thing about it is, is like, okay, now what do you do? Do you really want to inflict a penalty and say, well, if you get a long lap penalty, it's for the Grand Prix weekend which means you could serve it in the sprint race and the long race. Do you do it where you say you've incurred the penalty in the sprint race, you're going to get the penalty in the sprint race, or you get it in the Grand Prix, you get it in the Grand Prix. My (laughs) guess is that these chuckleheads are going to go, you get it in the sprint race, and it's not going to make a difference, and he'll still be able to probably put the thing on the box. And then the other question is... Well, first off, there's no way he's putting it on the box with a double long lap penalty at Coda. There's zero chance of that if you do it in the sprint race. Not a chance. Um, Where is the long... Where is it? Isn't it? I think it's in that little infield section. I I was just thinking about it myself. It's in that infield. When you come come off the back straightaway, you go left. left, Double right. And then that double right-handers, is it there? I think it's there or the next left. Oh, the next left. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I mean, I'm sure there's people out there listening going, the, the, you guys stupid. We know exactly yeah, we, where it is. Well, but yeah, we are stupid. So, well, I'll accept that. Um, no, here's the here's the problem, though, Jay. The problem is, if I'm dumb and you call me dumb, am I actually going to know I'm dumb because I'm dumb? Because you're too stupid to know? Yeah. Maybe. So you could be saying the thing that's right. Could I be. don't know because I'm dumb. Know. Yeah, it's a good point. Right? Good hey, point. What are you going to do? Hey, what are you going to do? Um, How about they? You, I, I like that they gave Mira a penalty. Even though Quattararo didn't go down, what, but they didn't give Marini a penalty. Yeah, what did they give him a penalty for? Give, what did they give Mir a penalty for? They I gave, know. Uh, they they gave Mir a penalty because was it uh, because no because he went underneath Quattararo and bumped into Quattararo and 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 Mir crashed, but Quattararo didn't. But then they didn't give Marini a penalty, even though Bedzeki wanted himself. So, like. The thing is, is I I don't have anything to say about either one of those incidents. I mean, because it is racing, and you know. Um, but that's I'm still set. baffled why Heron got a six grid penalty in the two hundred. So uh, whatever. But, but the thing is, right, is like you sit there and you go, I, 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 yeah, it's this is the problem now that you have. It's it's it literally comes down to what somebody perceives they see, and they go, well, that was egregious, and that wasn't. So just a mess. It's totally subjective. Totally Moto subjective. two, Moto two. Yes, yes, Ac- Moto two. Acosta. I mean, look. Let me hold on. Let me ask you: Was it a good race? Um, was it a good race? I think, like, look from a rider perspective, I love the fact. Well, I'll tell you, it was a good race in the sense that I said to people when we were watching it, I said, "Man, it's really hard to win a race like that when you got a guy that's continuously got pressure on you the entire race, and then to lay the two laps down at the end that Acosta did was pretty." I thought was pretty impressive. I, I look as a, from a fan standpoint, when you don't see engagement at the front with guys passing and repassing, you go, ah, it's a, it's, it's a little bit paradish, but I thought it was a, like very tactically, a very good race by Acosta. I thought it was a good tactical race by Kinnett too. A hundred percent. Yes. Right. So let's just go over the results real quick. Yeah, do so as you're, as you've probably figured out at this point, it was Pedro Acosta winning over Aaron Kinnett with 1.3, but with, Two laps and a third to go, Kinnett was on his tailpipe. Yes. So I think Kinnett just had to. It, it, the rear was gone, and he rolled out of it. So that wasn't the reflection of the race. Tony Arbolino, on the other hand, had really closed the gap and put a big push. And there towards the last, maybe, what, 25% of the race, he settled into third. Uh, Philip Salach, seven seconds behind in fourth. Manuel Gonzalez in fifth. Jake Dixon, just ahead of Sam Lowe's. Albert Arenas, Samchak Chantra in ninth. Jeremy Alcoba in 10th place. And yet Vietti, Baldus, uh, Aldeguer, Jason's boy in 13th place. Joe Roberts gets a point in 14th. He led uh, Sergio Garcia, who obviously we know is super talented, even though they're 25 points back. Darren Binder in his debut, he crashed, picked it up and finished 16th. And to give you the SDK, Sean Dillon Kelly ends up 20th, 42 seconds back on his American racing bike. So I think what we talked about was 
it took Pedro Acosta a couple of laps to get to the front. Yeah. And then, you know, the commentators were like, oh, he's gone. He's everybody's, you know, they were like, all the riders are concerned about his pace, which I had a good chuckle about. And I'm like, yeah, everybody's just worried about Pedro Acosta. It's like they're worried about themselves. How how can I go fast? But and then all of a sudden, Kinnett was like the surprise, man. And at first, I kind of thought to myself, Kinnett's just holding on by the skin of his teeth. Then halfway through the race, when he's still there, I'm thinking, well, maybe Kinnett is doing the right thing. And yeah. I think that what Aaron Kinnett was doing was trying to save his tire. Like, why are you going to go fight with Pedro Acosta? You know he's going to want to go to the front. He's like that Josh Hayes, right? Like, I got to lead, I got to lead. And so I was thinking to myself, if you're Aaron Kinnett, why not just see if this pace where you can kind of save it till the end to try to make an attack. And it well, just didn't work out. But what do you uh, think? Like that's, uh, you I, know, I haven't seen any post-race comments. Like, nope. it didn't look like Kinnett was on the edge. No, he rode really well. Him, but I, he rode really, really well. He was super good in the last sector of the track. Like, so the last sort of um, 25 yeah, seconds of the lap, good. he was very fast. That's where he's so able to make up all the time he, he was. lost everywhere else. He was able to make that up. And um, so, you know, when you look at it, it's it's uh, one of those things that that Acosta is a grinder. And he, you know, I think he feels he's that guy right now that everybody's talking about that when he moves up to MotoGP, um, you know, he's going to be a big threat. What does KTM do with him? That'll be the interesting thing. If indeed he does do as well as everybody thinks he's going to do this year, there'll be other guys though, that'll be stepping up in this, in this category. I'm, I'm super impressed with, with Salich. Obviously I'm really impressed with Manuel Gonzalez. I mean, this kid was racing super sport two years ago, did his first moto two season last year, running around in fifth. I thought it was an incredible result for him. Um, he, you know, for the longest time he was in that battle for third, and, uh, and Arbolino separated himself. Um, when you look at Dixon and Sam Lowe's, uh, Sam got knocked all the way back to 18th. Um, Dixon was way back as well. Both those riders had to go through the field to get themselves back up there. So I thought it was a nice little points haul um, um, for them. So it was really, I was bummed to see that they showed your boy on TV. Iagura was in the pit box. I don't know how long he's going to be out. I suspect, Greg, that we'll probably see him at Coda. Would probably be the first that we'll see of him. God, can you imagine so, a wrist injury at Coda, like your first race back? Yeah, that's you better. Miserable. You better be healthy. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. So I didn't watch Moto3. Did you watch it? I watched Moto3. Um, l- let me sum up Moto3 the best way I can I can sum it up. Okay. There was a gaggle of riders. Okay. Shocker. And then the checkered flag came out. Got it. So... <laughs> I mean, there are very few incidents really to talk about in this one. It really was like, um, you know, 12, 14 rider kind of a pack. And then your typical kind of drafted pass up the inside, you know, things looked pretty good. There were a few incidents. I think, let me, let me look to see who, who I got that. the results. Hogato wins over Munoz and Moreira. I'm actually want to watch the race. I usually always watch it and I just didn't get a chance to, um, I don't know, uh, Rueda. He ends up. Uh, he's on the Red Bull bike, so Jose Antonio Rueda he ends up fourth. Johnny yeah, Masia is like is he's the he, Rueda is like the he's special because he's like the Red Bull rookies champ, and he's also he's he won two championships last year. Amazing, did this okay. Rueda guy? Yeah, yeah. Wow. And so that was kind of the big thing. It was like, whoa, wait a second, we're just he he did lead a couple times. Rueda. I mean, most of these guys led. You're you know anyway. Sorry to interrupt. So you're no, 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 no. Masia was fifth. Sasaki was sixth. Uh, Nepa. Artigas, uh, Kelso, Anchu, Kaida Toba was 11th, and he was only 2.8 back. So like you say, Greg, there must have been a pretty big gaggle there. Um, and then don't even know how to say Colin's name in 12th. Uh, wow. I, I wouldn't know how to say that one. So I'm oh, from to, the Netherlands? Yeah. It's, I'm gonna it's have like, to, it's, I think, believe it's Vier. Vier, something yeah. Like, yeah. And Salvador. I only know that from some people from, the, from archery I know from the Netherlands. Interesting to see Tetsuki uh, Suzuki so far back. So I don't know if he had a problem, and and Ricardo Rossi ended up fifteenth. So there were some double long lap penalties that were uh, being served. Yes. There were some, yeah, yeah, you know, a couple of crashes. You know, where people kind of took themselves out. You can kind of see, like, you know, Ortola was in the mix, and he only he he was one lap down. He crashed or didn't finish whatever. So it, it's it's so hard to like really break this race down, but. There were a lot of riders that looked in control of this race, and it just kind of happened. As you can see, it's one-tenth of a second. So, Halgado, and that one-tenth of a second, when you're only going 151 or 152 kilometers an hour, mm-hmm. is a big gap. Like, it's a big gap for Moto2. But still, 
you know, it's it's one tenth, and you can see right there that Munoz was on the same tenth as Marrera, and then almost on the same tenth as Rueda. You know, so they were all those guys were all bunched up, but it was a very entertaining race. It was another one of those races, Jay, where you're just kind of going like, oh God, like your stomach sinks because yeah. you're like, is that dude gonna make it? Is yeah, it? yeah, like, yeah. I could tell you this: the Husqvarna of Sasaki looked fast. Like he stayed mostly in contention, Sasaki. Because he was able to make up on straightaways. Yeah, like the thing was, it it's a ripper. Yeah, it, it that's is a freak. Of course, the KTM's or KTM's and Husqvarna are the same bike. Yeah. So yep, yep. You know, and then you have the CF Moto, which is a different different manufacturer in eighth and ninth. Yeah. You know, with Artigas and Kelso. Yeah. So, and by the way, Joel Kelso uh, was on pole, and that that's the Australian. Like, it's only I think that's it's great. Second year. That's great for him. Second. I'm sitting there looking at the results, and man. Like the career of Romano Fanati, what a crazy like he, he ends up nineteenth yes. here, almost thirty seconds back. It's like you just look at that stuff and you just scratch your head. So, um, so those guys are all off to Argentina. I mean, they're on their way to Argentina. And um, and by the uh, way, I by the way cra- that that Fanati thing you're talking about, yeah, Fanati he was nineteenth and Anna Carrasco was twenty third. They were actually locked. If you look at the times, they were locked in their own battle. That. All five of those riders Crazy. were only separated by a tenth of a second. So, you know, not to say that we're going to see Anna Carrasco make a 10 second a lap or 10 second a race jump, but she's at least so far in testing, she's closer, mm-hmm. you know, like to to two groups yeah. than she was last year. And I know that people are keeping an eye on it. And there's a lot of people hoping for some success. But, you know, I think right now Carrasco is kind of in the spot that she's in. Yeah. You know, and she's getting a little bit better. But until we see, you know, a Kaliakov type of rider go there. It's kind of the way it's going to be. Yeah. But agreed. anyway, agreed. all right, let's go to fantasy Jay, because it was a total <laughs> disaster for you, which of course warmed my, warmed my heart dramatically. We had our first uh, Greg's garage pod with Jason Pridmore. That's the name of the MotoGP fantasy. So if you've signed up for MotoGP, you can join our fantasy league anytime you want. We do have prizes. We're going to give away an Arai helmet and uh, a set of Dunlop Q5s for first place, set of Dunlop Q5s for second place, and for third place, Q5 pluses. And then we still have to decide what oh, we're yeah, doing we got- because Jason yeah. Pridmore decided. He announced yeah. on the podcast. I had no idea it was coming. He's giving away a one-on-one JP43 yeah, we'll figure seminar. We got to talk about it. So let's get it talked about. And then after Argentina round, we'll figure out yeah, how we're going to do because- that. Because... I have a list of feedback that I got on social media, and really? it was literally not one person said the same thing as another person. Interesting. One person, you know what I mean? Like it was like, yes, for, I think maybe you picked a pers- person in forty third. That's great. Or uh, maybe you should yeah. do a draw out of the hat out of the top ten. Yes, the the person who wins should win. Somebody else commented and say the person in fourth just off the podium should get it because they obviously struggle on a motorcycle. Like it, literally, there wasn't a single thing that was good. So we'll have to talk about it and we'll come up with something. But how about the guy who's season, so. how about the guy who's three hundred eighteenth in the league? Guy or, or girl oh, who's three hundred eighteenth in the league? How about that? The last, the person who's last. No, <laughs> I, I am no, horrendous because, at this. Yeah, you're pretty bad. Oh, you're pretty bad. So for me, oh, ha- congratulations on the first run. Rude Dude. Rude Love Dude it. leads the way with 207 points right out of the box, I which mean, is impressive. However, Jason, Rude Dude goes 207 with a freaking turbo already. Uh-huh. You turboed the first. Do one, two, three, four, five people, the f- top five in our league, that's Rude Dude, Wooden Spoon, Jay Dialist. Uh, Speed Freak and Chad, Chad Quez, <laughs> yeah. Chad, Chad Quez. That's a good one. They all turboed. Mm. Yo, I'm not telling you how to play your game. Hey, but, they got um, they got a lot of good points. Yeah, with 20 to go. Good job. But you got to be impressive <laughs> with um, Ruckup S23 getting 158 points with no turbo. No turbos. Yeah. yeah. So did so did Suzuki thirty four KS. Hmm, I wonder you know, what that and, means. And shaky and shaky moto. I want yeah. no. That's not our boy shaky burns. Maybe no. Yeah, I'd be sick if it was sitting yeah, on the pole. All tied sitting at on the pole. Love that. Yeah. I just like going and looking at, through all the names. Me too, <clears throat> dude. Spicy gravy, dude. But, did you see who's eleventh? <clears throat> yeah. Unfortunately, oh, I have God. seen who's tied for eleventh. But oh. Jay, look at it. So you go from sixth place <clears throat> down to. 19th place they're all tied they all have the exact same points 
which oh, means wow, they yeah. all had the same team Interesting. in the same order. Yeah. my big I'm 74th, and my biggest mistake was <laughs> at the last minute, I moved Vinales to silver and moved Marini to gold. Mm. So that crushed me because Marini got two stinking points. So for Vinales, all right, this is I'm going to do this Jason Pridmore style. All right, so had I moved, have I left Marini at silver, he would have got me one point, right? But had I moved Vinales to gold, he would have given me 37 and a half points. So that would have been 48.5 plus. All right, we're getting into math now on the podcast. This is cute. So the thing for me is, um, I, I, would I feel like... Hold on, I would have had 142. I feel like I need to tell everybody. Yeah, there's a lot of races left. Are we going to do that every weekend? Every week? Are we going to do you doing math as of if you had and if you had? Are we going to do that? No, but dude, that would have that would have put me up like maybe only like yeah, but, 10 positions but, anyway. But nobody cares. Yeah, nobody cares, Greg. Uh, I care. Yeah, I know you do. I know. It's okay, big guy. You're going to be all right. So I feel like I should just put a disclaimer out and let people know who I pick. Because whoever I pick, you don't want any part of their action. Do you want to know my team? Seven, you scored 75 and a half points. I had Bastianini. Wait a second. Whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. Huh. Wait, 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 wait. What am I waiting on? We have 342 people in the league. I'm 311. And you were 318th. Oh, I gave myself too much credit. Three, yeah. I, yeah, like when it, when it ended, I, had, I was like 66. Uh, and then when everything sorted Oliveira. itself out, I ended up slipping to 74th or something. All my guys were out. Every one of my guys were out. Yeah, it's going weird right now, this whole thing. But yeah, all my guys were out, G-Dub. All of them. That is horrible, Jay. I, I feel for you. But I, I, I think I, I could have sworn when we started that there were 318 in the in the deal. So more people jumped in after the fact. So at least you're not DFL. Anyway, so make sure you join the league. We got those prizes coming at you. And of course, we're still playing Pulp MX, which also has the same, same list of prizes without the JP43 thing, which means it's time for us to talk a little bit. Oh, by the way, more MotoGP this weekend from Argentina coming up. So we'll talk about that next week. Moving on to Supercross from Seattle, it was Eli Tomac over Cooper Webb, Justin Barsha on the podium. Barsha uncharacteristically making a late kind of season, you know, push. Jason Anderson in fourth, Chase Sexton in fifth, Kenny Roxon, Aaron Plessinger, uh, Cian Cirillo, Craig. The points have it as Eli Tomac and Cooper Webb are now tied up at 248 apiece with one, two, three, four, six rounds to go. Uh, Jason Pridmore, not, um, you know, where Tomac didn't completely dominate this race. He was fast, but he wasn't the fastest, was he? No, again, it's, I don't know what to do with Sexton. It's just, it's, it's actually getting sad. Like it's the kind of things that makes, like it gets people endeared to a guy because the guy is just on struggle bus central and he just can't seem to keep the bike upright. So it's, it's a real shame. G-Dub. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a tough one. On the 250 side of things, Jet Lawrence does what he's been doing best. He uh, he's like second off the start. He passed for the lead, and then he never looked back. I mean, Jet is just – and if you watch the way that Jet Lawrence passed, he was so patient. I mean, it took him four or five corners, but he kind of was like, eh, no, that's not the spot. Up, oh, that's not the spot. And you can just tell that he's riding with a ton of confidence and that he's on another level. Yeah. So in the, in the championship, they hadn't raced in like five weeks or something like that, the 250 West. So Jets leading 127 to RJ Hampshire in 104. Cameron McAdoo 101, who I think he ended up what on the ground again. Was that McAdoo who hit the deck again? Supercross Fantasy. Oh, it's DV934 leading the charge. All right. Well, unfortunately, Jason dropped off due to some technical issues, but that'll do it for Supercross. You can check us out at uh, Greg's Garage Podcast on Pulp MX Fantasy. Next week, we're going to have MotoGP from Argentina. You want to make sure you hang out with us for that. And if we have a chance, we're going to bring Steve English in and we're going to talk to him about World Superbike and what's coming up because they were testing and it's going to be great. One thing to note about the MotoGP is that they're in Argentina this week. And so that is like a one hour difference from East Coast. So basically, let's just say it's 10 a.m. East. It's going to be 11 a.m. in Buenos Aires. So make sure that you keep uh, you know, an eye on, on the time. And so you can make sure that you get your fantasy picks in on time because they have to be in by the moment qualifying starts. So for Jason Pridmore, I'm Greg White. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. And, um, you know, we got a 213 more of these things. So 
Take a listen to them. If you're on a long drive and you want to get some good information, go back and listen to the Daytona Podcast and share it around. We appreciate it. And we will talk to you guys next week. <music>